or Tupac? Definitely Tupac, for sure. Uh, no. Tupac Every for life. Time. Every That's time. right. 50. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. There we La. go. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia, uh, home of the two-time champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, the name of the church, that's right, woo, woo. Uh, the name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come check us out one Sunday morning. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a church, a Bible-teaching church, you might be able to attend uh, online. Uh, again, service is at 1030, but you can watch us uh, on our YouTube channel, which is Calvary 316. Uh, dot live. You can learn all about the church by visiting calvary316.com. Uh, even though I am a pastor of a church, I do want to say, because sometimes maybe this gets confused or, or comes across the wrong way, that even though I pastor a church, and I love that, um, I've been called by God to do that, uh, that is not my identity. My identity is not in, in what I do. It's who I am, and that that is that I'm a Christ follower. I've been saved by the blood of Christ. I've been redeemed by his grace. I've been washed, set free uh, from sin. Um, I will stand before God judged, uh, not upon what I've done or what I'm doing, but by just being faithful to what the Lord's called me. And when it's all said and done, being a pastor, will I will be judged for, I'll be evaluated concerning. But uh, first and foremost, it's about loving my wife, Jessica, as Christ loves the church, and representing God to my children, at Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel, uh, God shared his name tag with me uh, when I became a father. And so that's a high calling and responsibility. So uh, I'm a servant of Jesus first and foremost. I'm a husband to Jessica. I'm a father of three. And then I'm a pastor. So important, but not uh, the most important. I'm joined as always uh, by uh, the man that needs no introduction, uh, the maestro of this dysfunction, a.k.a. Dick Dastardly, Creighton Vaughn. How are you doing, Creighton? Hello, I'm good. I am just a Christ follower with anxiety. How are y'all? <laughs> Christ follower <laughs> with anxiety because there is no significant other, nor are you a father. Hey, right. you know, I, I have none of the none of the societal accolades that you, know, you have. I am, I am <laughs> curious. I am curious. You know, so were you in the Bible study on Sunday? I was not. So you were with the youth? Yes. Oh, so real quick, I want to read very quickly... A passage of scripture. Uh, oh, I know. I, that Jesus Jesus I, talked about. I, I was have, just curious. For the record, I have edited the Bible study. I, and I I'm do just know curious what you're going that, to read. That this section resonated um, in Matthew 19. <clears throat> I just want your thoughts on this, Graydon. Uh huh. Uh, in Matthew 19, uh, Jesus says, uh, "All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs." Who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Have you accepted this? Like, are you are you a, a eunuch for the kingdom? Is that where we are? I mean, you are about to be thirty. You turn thirty next. You know, I hate you. you know. Um, and the answer is, eh, I don't make plans, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, I know you, and um, uh, I don't think you've been called to celibacy. No, probably and not. The uh, you know, Paul says, you know, if 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 the fire burns within, <laughs> that's a good tell that you're not a uh, you're not a candidate for uh, the eunuchhood. Thank um, you for talking about the fire burning within me on <laughs> uh, on the internet yes. in front of dozens of people. Well, I think that's a great segue for you to explain to the audience how they can interact with us, right? Um, so how they can comment on things that. Really, we should run a poll. Is has Creighton been called to be a eunuch <laughs> oh for Jesus? Uh, how can the how can the audience? What makes the show unique? It's a podcast. 
gets released Thursday, sometimes Friday, depending on your work schedule. But we record it live uh, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock. Uh, and so how can the audience interact, which I think is cool, uh, on an important topic like whether or not you're a eunuch? Like my eternal celibacy. Yeah, your um, eternal celibacy. So if you're watching live on either YouTube or Facebook, there will be comment sections. Uh, I have those up on my computer so that I can see them as you guys are uh Sending comments, questions, concerns. Uh, if you would like no to concerns, drop, we don't need concerns. If you'd like to drop a joke about my uh, <laughs> perpetual imminent, virginity, we're gonna go with imminent celibacy. Like I <laughs> feel like that's celibacy. a better. I think that's it. Still has like a future. Maybe it won't happen. Kind a of reg- thing. A regretted virginity. Right. Um, <laughs> you did. I threw you a curveball, man. I you know. weren't ready for that. Were the you? other way uh, is to email me directly at creightonvaughn at gmail.com, especially if you're listening to the podcast. Podcasts don't have comment section. So you can email me directly um, if you have any questions or if you have a really good joke about, you know, my celibacy or <laughs> Zach's coma. <laughs> so, so one of the other things that makes this show unique, aside from the ability to interact with the audience, which is fun, is uh, the technology gives us that that avenue, is the fact that I am also joined, in, aside from just Creighton, I'm joined in studio by, uh, tonight, three of my dear friends, my brothers, uh, Nicholas Monty, Deal Daddy Derek, who is repping hard. Oh, always. Calvary 316 this tonight. This is the daily hoodie. Daily hoodie. <laughs> hey, it's a good hoodie. Yeah. You know, what I like about that hoodie is it doesn't, it's not too tight on the neck. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't wear it. I probably wouldn't wear it if it was. I, like I just cut it, room. you know, you just cut it if it's, if it's, uh, but a hoodie that like chokes you. Mm. I'm not a big fan, but that's a comfortable hoodie. I do agree. Yeah. And then Spice Daddy, how you doing? Pretty good. Hey, did you get that link I sent you about the, uh, the subscription for uh, hot sauce? Yeah, I've already looked into that well before. You well said before it. I said it. Yeah, yeah. I saw there's a, there was a website where you could subscribe, and every month you get an assortment of different types of hot sauces. And I was like, hey, I know someone that would be very I interested do love in hot this. sauce. I know you do. That's why you're your spice daddy. I keep one in my drawer at work. Keep one in my car. Like just, <laughs> just something emergency hot sauce. Now I do. You, you know what? I, this is a good. So for those of you that don't know, Justin. Uh, Spice Daddy's Justin Holcomb. We should because you don't need I, to put my name out there. Well, because okay, so we <laughs> are we're a very popular show with dozens of people. Um, wide. I mean, we're just it's it's a huge. very huge audience huge. of huge. of dozens. Hey, we're multinational. Multinational, but for the few people that listen, that might be like, wait a second, Justin Holcomb. I've heard that name somewhere else. So there was a very popular podcast released last, well, I guess now it's been two years ago, called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And in that, towards the end of that podcast, and like 10 million people or so listened to this podcast, but one of the uh, the guys that kind of gets thrown under the bus is a Justin Holcomb. Not me. You are not <laughs> that Justin Holcomb. Not I mean, for me. the dozens of people that follow us that love our show, we need to clarify that, that in case there's any, any overlap. That you I, are not. I have I'm, zero theological training, uh, unless it deals with archaeological stuff. Uh, well, this guy was just a researcher that didn't cite his research, yeah, right? That, yeah, yeah. yeah. He really buried stuff, didn't but, look it up. But now, no kidding, we were talking about this last week. You actually had people who listened to that podcast reach out and be like, "Wait a second, is this you?" Yeah. So again, <laughs> for the dozens of people that that follow Outlaw Radio, we should just you know get that you're n- different guy. Different Justin Holcomb. I'm not famous. 
nor am I on the internet really anywhere. So well, you're here every, every week. week. Wait a yeah. second, you're on the internet every week. You're a YouTube sensation. <laughs> you're right, Spice Daddy. Dozens of people. I mean, I mean, there are at least like, I don't know, seven or eight people watching right now that think that you're a hero. We should do one of those hot ones uh, questions yeah. answers things where we get to watch you eat spicier things as you answer this questions. is a terrible yes, fail so yes. hard. this is a terrible know, idea a terrible <laughs> this idea. is actually uh our what... first tease into our more shows that we're gonna be making <laughs> yeah we're gonna have we're gonna have a hot one show we're gonna have one where yeah. we do crafts all oh, kinds no. of spicy ones we're gonna have yeah. a media empire so what's fun about the Allo radio show in addition to you know the technology allowing us to interact with with the audience and creating at any point if someone jumps in there uh, be sure to, 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 to pass it along. And not only am I joined by some friends uh, for this dysfunction, uh, but what makes, I think, the Outlaw Radio Show uh, very distinct, different, special is the fact it's unscripted. Uh, this is an unscripted Bible study. And so uh, in just a moment, Creighton will be introducing a topic, uh, then a topic passage of Scripture, something uh, related to the Lord, um, Christianity. It's my job to then do my best. Sometimes I'm good at it, sometimes maybe fall a little flat, but it's my job to craft that into a Bible study with the help of these gents uh, who interject their own thoughts, uh, their own perspectives, they ask their own questions, and their job is to kind of come alongside of me uh, in, in developing whatever idea Creighton drops uh, into something that is hopefully edifying uh, to the body of Christ. Uh, before um, I throw something out, before we get to your topic, um, I do want to just maybe very quickly... Um, address something about uh, about the show. Just a very broad broad idea. Uh, why is it called the Outlaw Radio Show uh, when we're not on the radio? Um, uh, because there have been, and I think it's important to sometimes take a moment and kind of rehash a few things. Outlaw Radio did begin, uh, indeed, as a radio show. Uh, so there's a whole long backstory, but but uh, this was a radio program. I would record. Uh, here in the studio, four blocks of audio. It was an hour-long show, four blocks of audio. I would send that audio to his productions. Uh, Josh Brown and his team there would take it, craft it into um, a, an hour-long show, which ends up being 52 minutes. And then there was a bunch of radio stations uh, that actually aired on the weekend, uh, the Outlaw Radio Show. And the, the idea of Outlaw uh, was life outside of the law. I had taught a series through the book of Galatians titled Outlaw Church. Um, uh, life Outside the Law, Life and Grace. And so we, we kind of carried over that branding. Uh, outlawradio.org was available, so we, we jumped on it. So Outlaw Radio indeed began as a radio show. But over the years, and we've been doing this now for... Uh, I actually got a Google notification. The first show we ever made under the Outlaw Radio name uh, was like six years ago. It was like six years ago. Yeah, so this and that is was just me, you, and Andy <clears throat> in the office. So that was a long time ago, and so we've been doing this for a while. Uh, what's what's what episode is tonight? Uh, can't can't you look and see what episode Ooh, number um, it is? Like two hundred and ten or something. Two hundred. We're well into the two hundreds, um, and so uh, it began as a radio show. But over the years, um, different times, different seasons, the show has morphed. Uh, so there's been a kind of a few different iterations. Um, of the Outlaw Radio Show, um, different seasons. Um, and so what we've done now that we've kind of settled into uh, the live stream and just being a podcast, uh, a few years back we made the decision to get off the radio entirely 
It was becoming a little bit too restrictive and a little bit too uh, time-consuming on what it required. Um, just the weekly schedule was, was difficult. Uh, so we, we made a shift away from radio. We just made it a podcast. We did the live stream as the recording. And then we kind of landed on this unscripted format. We added the guys. And so it's become its own thing. So what we have done, and I, and I bring it up, A, to just kind of let people know why we're called Outlaw Radio. Um, but then also to note that we've kind of gone back. Uh, Creighton has been taking some time to go back through the archive. And we've really we've purged some things. So you'll find episodes all the way from the beginning. Um, especially a lot of the interviews, uh, things that, that were Bible study related. Uh, but there were other times that the show was kind of crafted to be a commentary, a, a social commentary on things happening in politics and society at large. And we really don't do any of that anymore. And that season has kind of come and gone. And so we have gone back into the archive. We've kind of purged some things. We've cleaned some things out uh, just to kind of focus in the vision that uh, for what we want the show to be and for what its legacy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of letting you know that if you ha- go back into the archive and things are missing or the episodes don't follow, some things, some numbers are gone, uh, that's why, and I kind of wanted to address that. That kind of makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like something, you know, instead of someone just saying like, well, wait a second, what happened? Um, are they trying to hide something? Not trying to hide something, uh, just honing in the vision, trying to clear it out um, and whatnot. Hey, especially during the pandemic, uh, things got really weird and gnarly and, and you know, again, um, wanted to f- hone in on what our vision, what God's really called us to be um, at this point. And I Keep think that the that's, focus. I think that's fair. Uh, it wasn't as though that, um, you know, that there was anything ashamed of or anything we're trying to hide. It's just that it's not relevant anymore. And yeah. that, as a result of keeping that archive in perpetuity, it's well, nah, I wouldn't want someone to stumble across outlaw radio and get their impression of the show from maybe one of those episodes when the show has nothing to do with any of that anymore. Right. At this point, if you looked at some of those episodes, especially from the, the coronavirus, uh, it just it wouldn't reflect at all what we're doing now. And so right. the people that were super into that or would be if they watched it now would probably like it now. wouldn't right. be into this or would have a very hard <laughs> transition period, which we can just, you know, skip. So I want to I wanna kind of throw out a thought uh, that I had um, before we get to your topic. We will get to your topic. This will not be a, a rant. Yes, I've got some comments. Oh, jump in there real quick. All right, so we're going to do comments first. got a couple from uh, our (laughs) favorite fan, Jennifer. Everyone say hi to Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Um, And she was asking if we should comment on my celibacy. Um, Then Michelle Davis responded. The answer is absolutely we should. Michelle did. She said, Creighton, God will give you uh, the perfect woman. Don't let Zach give up on or give you a hard time. Amen. No. Amen. Amen. Thanks, well, Michelle. I, well, no, no, no. I Wait, we can say it. amen to the first half. No, nah, bro. I got his no. back on that. But, I mean, we can <laughs> give him a hard time. Come on. No. Can't and then Miss um, Ann of also course. says hello. Miss Ann, as always. And we all love Miss Ann. We Hi, Miss Ann. We love Miss Ann for sure. So, so here's a thought. Something I've been chewing on. Something I want to kind of get... You know, I, I think this would be fun. I think it's an interesting idea. <clears throat> you know, sometimes <clears throat> church culture functions with with some. It's the right way to phrase this. <clears throat> we operate with some universal assumptions, and based on some universal assumptions, it drives uh, the way we examine church culture or church strategy, or church life, community, uh, church development, church growth. Uh, we make assumptions, and those assumptions drive the narrative a certain direction, when I think sometimes, this will make more sense in a second, sometimes it's, it's helpful 
to take a step back and challenge some assumptions because then the conversation completely changes. I'll give you an example, and this is what I kind of want to throw out there. So much of what we of what we do within a church, the conversations we have about church, um, exists within the realm or the idea that churches live forever. That that a church is supposed to exist forever. That a church, and I'm not talking obviously the church, the ecclesia, the big church, the big C church does last forever. But I'm talking about more of um, the community church, the local church. You know, a lot of times we make decisions about church under the notion that it's our job to make sure our church exists for the next generation. Like within within Calvary Chapel. So Calvary Chapel was, was a church movement that began uh, late 60s, 70s, really started getting its heyday in the 80s, which means that now... You have like that whole generation of, of founding pastors are, are trying to figure out secession plans of like, well, hey, uh, I need to make sure that, that this ministry doesn't die, that this church continues on after us. And so I need to have, you know, the, some younger, hipper guy in place to kind of go ahead and start taking over. There needs to be a transition plan. Like again, within church life in general, we, we try to make, well, we want our church to, to live forever, to last forever. Here's the problem. Name a church that has. Every church in the New Testament that we have, we, that we have letters written, the church in Philippi, not there. Ephesus, not there. Thessalonica, not there. Rome, not there. Like, just run down the church in Jerusalem, not there. Um, like, those churches existed for a season, and then at some point, now, now was there a, another church in the area? Sure. But like the idea of legacy churches, is that actually, maybe maybe let me phrase it in a way that might even be more controversial. Is it okay for a church to die? Is it okay for a church to die? Should we fight the death of a church and instead be like, let's celebrate its life? Everything in a fallen world dies, mm-hmm. right? Everything dies. And in fact, death, you know, Steve Jobs had this famous commencement speech at Stanford where he talked about, it, it's pretty morbid, but he talks about the beauty of death in the sense, and he was dealing with massive cancer at the time. So I think this was his way of, of, of grappling with it, his own mortality. But he was like, death, like new life can only develop from death. Like death is a necessary requirement for new life. We see that in the natural world. Um, we see that in the spiritual world. I was I, I had to die before I, I started living. And and what what gets in my way in this new life I have when when I don't remain dead? You know, new life comes out of death. New resurrection life can only come out of out of death. Like, do we sometimes fight the death of the church? Do we even stigmatize that as being a bad thing? Oh, that church, that church is a dying church. And they're doing everything they can to not be a dying church, but what about embracing the death? You guys, any any thoughts? I'm just throwing that out. Again, this is not the topic for tonight. Just something I've been thinking about. I know I'm, I'm taking time here, Creighton, but... I guess it depends on the specific reason the church is dying. 
Like, and then that would just have to go across. But yeah, like, let it die. Why not? What we're called to do is be fishers of men. The church is to equip us. So if something's wrong with the church and it's falling apart, then that's maybe not somewhere you need to be in the first place. Well, communities change, mm-hmm. right? I mean, okay, so there's a group of people that gather together that become a church. And, and they live together. They commune together. They worship together. They study God's word together. together, And they start dying off. Their children start moving. The whole community starts changing. Why not just let that church die and let it let it give way to something new? Um, I've got a question because of the way you phrased it. Why don't we Why do we fight for it and mourn the loss of a church as opposed to celebrating its life? And my answer would be like, well, I mean, it's really hard to celebrate something's life when you're really sad about it dying, and up until the point that it dies, we fight for it. Which is why you were on life support for two months and we didn't let you die because you weren't dead. Oh, you yet. had me written off, Creighton. I did. The doctors <laughs> you didn't. had me That's written why off. I'm not the doctors a doctor. did too. That's why I'm not a doctor. And when I wanted to be one, I wanted to work on dead people anyway. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I had true. you written off, but they still fought for you and they brought you back. So uh, I think the question is at That's what point. That's an interesting idea, yeah. At what point do you embrace does a it? dying church become a dead church? And yeah. at that point, or around that point. Let me let me you give would, you. I would me, then go into the celebrating life and letting it pass. Up until then, at, as long as my calling is to a church, I'm going to fight for it. Let me um, <clears throat> let me give you an example of what I'm kind of referring to. Um, so there is a piece of property that I drive by every single time I go to church. Every time I go to Calvary three sixteen. I drive by this piece of property that is prime real estate. Most of it's completely overgrown by kudzu. And if you didn't know the dirt road was there, you've probably driven by it a thousand times and missed it. In fact, you've probably even missed the church sign that exists that's in like old English script from the 1800s. This piece of property is on Highway 316. It's prime real estate. Now, this church is a couple hundred years old. This this is one of those legacy churches. I've driven back there. There's a small white little church building that is completely infested with hornets. Hmm. And there's a small little graveyard out in front, and it's just a little bit of a roundabout. Now, I had no idea. Like, I blew my mind. It's like, how is this here? Who owns this? What in the world is this about? Now, a couple years ago, as this was like driving me nuts. Um, and I know that there's ways to find out. I didn't care enough to like research that deeply. I was getting my oil changed cross town. I was standing out and this old goat who owns the place, we started <laughs> chit-chatting. Come to find out this guy's family for generations has been a part of this church. He knew exactly what I was talking about, knew the location, knew everything about it. They had money that has been set into a trust that will keep that little church there. No one goes there. No one's there. It's a dead church. The only people there are in the ground. (laughs) And it will maintain the property for decades and decades and decades and decades. And the only only stipulation is that they have to have one meeting on the property once a year to remain a 501c3 for their, their trust. So they do. They gather like 12 people gather for a potluck once a year. <laughs> and it's like, this is prime real estate. Did that guy go to church anywhere else? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't. 
when I found out that much, you were I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I'm I'm gonna bang my head into a wall. Yeah, here. that's crazy. Just to keep the actual building in oh, and of it's, itself it's, a church. It's like so. So I understand your your question, Creighton. I, I get I get that. But like I'm I'm pointing out an extreme. Like there are still a group of people, and there and there was a group of people way back when, where they they put together a trust of money. So that their church could be there, forever. Yeah, that's weird. Is it the one where you turn like right? I don't want to get into this very specific. I don't want to get into this very specific. I know you do. And, and you'll see it. You'll see that there's an actual sign there that I gets maintained. I know the sign. I didn't know there was an actual building. Yeah, I've been back there. Back there. No, you'll see it now. You can see the building from 316 when you're when yeah. you're driving to wherever. Yeah, wherever, wherever you're going. you'll see it back there. That's crazy. It's 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 nuts. It's absolutely crazy. It's bonkers. But it's like, at some point, someone should have been like, hey, you know what? There's this money and this piece of property. Let's find another church that could use this and give it to them. Like, to me, it's, it's, it's okay, so your church is dying. I guess one of the questions is, why is it dying? For, for example, your approach to death for me when I'm 38 years old was different. Why? Because the assumption is I got a whole lot of life ahead of me, and this is a shocking thing, and, like, this doesn't compute. <clears throat> we got to save this guy because there's a whole lot of life ahead of him. This is something tragic. This is something... Unnatural. Unnatural. It's an emergency. <clears throat> but if you're 98... Like, my great-grandmother's 102 years old. She died at 102, but she's 102. We all went out for her 100th birthday, and she was sharp as a tack. And everyone she, everyone she was friends with had died. Every Everyone she was friends with who had children had died. And she's like, I just like to go home and be with Jesus. She was born in 1908. She's like, I just want to go home and be with Jesus. And when she died at 102, it's like, what killed her? Life. Like, there was no, like, <laughs> there was no explanation. You go, good old age. No, she just died. And there was no, like, no tears, no weeping. It was a ce- pure celebration. It's like, like, death was celebrated. It was beautiful. It was like, she went home to be with oh, Jesus. Oh, she, got home, to, she get, got home to be with Jesus and everybody she knew. Mm-hmm. You know, she had the right outlook. I mean, she was 100 getting picked up, taken to an, an old folks women's Bible study where they're all 70. <laughs> you know, they're 30 years her junior <laughs> And it's the old, the, the seniors Bible study. Um, she was a special lady, my, my great grandmother. But my, but my point is like, that's a different dynamic. So like, if you get to death in that context, hey, we've done some great things. We've lived a full life. We're just, the community's changed. We don't appeal to anybody anymore. Instead of like changing us to, to be something we're not, why not just let's be who we are. And then at the end, Find some church we're not and be like, hey, here's the rest of our money in our building. I mean, it's an interesting idea, but I I don't know how that would work. I have a question. No churches last forever. That's again, you understand how I'm saying like challenge an assumption and the conversation changes. You, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Nick, you haven't said a word yet. You haven't said anything. You've been totally quiet. Yeah. Like a church mouse. Like um, a dead church mouse. Like a dead church <laughs> mouse. What I would say is if, if a church is failing, then one, they're probably not investing in the right thing. 
I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I would say churches need to focus on uh, outreach, not outreach, um, equipping the people that are coming to the church, you know, making stronger believers relationship with Christ and stuff like that, which is also going to help the church grow. Um, I, I have a thought. question. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. no you, have a, you had a thought. I had a thought, but now it's not coming to me. It's about that. It's about, like, if a church is dying, then they're probably not investing in the people that are going to the church, one, because but no one's okay, coming. So there are times, there are times where, like, you're killing yourself, right? Where, like, you, like the church is doing things, and it's intentionally killing itself. Like, it's not interested in reaching new people. I'm talking about more of a dynamic where it's like, hey, the cultures change. Okay, for example, <laughs> Justin, jump in. Uh, I got a question. Uh, Jesus always speaks as the church as a bride, a church as a whole, big C church. Yeah, big C church. Big C church. So, but it always seems the metaphor of a physical thing. Whose church is it? It's not my church. It's not your church. It's a, the church we've been called to. So if God calls that church to fulfill its purpose and die, then that's his purpose is to die at that point. Exactly. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Okay, so there's a group of people. They've been together. They've been worshiping together. But it's been an organ and hymns, right? Hmm. And, that's, and, and, and that's how they engage, like a hymnal. or I mean, but that's, and listen, man, there have been saints for generations upon generations that that's how they worship God. And that was relevant, and that was that that fit, that worked. Um, what what what's what's actually kind of ended up happening is that when culture changed in in regards to music, and music started getting involved with the church, some some of that stuff started changing. Um, churches were forced to make a decision: um, do we change our worship style and alienate a group of old people that now won't come in order to reach a new group of people? But what ended up happening, they just created two services. So they started a whole other church. They're like, well, we're going to have the early service for the old people that like the traditional music, and we're going to have a second service of a whole other church to reach a different group of people. My, my whole deal is like, well, well, like, don't force the other people to change. Let them enjoy it. Just let it die. And then somebody have enough intuition and wisdom to be like, okay, we're going to run this out. And then we're going to give this wonderful gift to, to a, a new church doing a new thing in a new area. We're going to allow ourselves to kind of fold in to give over. Again, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not reaching any solid conclusions. You're, you're, you're kind of giggling there, Creighton. Um, yeah, I just... I. It's a different thought. I'm just it's a very... It it's interesting because, like, my... The my church lives forever, but the local church doesn't. There's no example. utilitarian like side of my brain is like, yeah, that would absolutely make sense. Why wouldn't you do that? And then like my, this is how people actually act is like, well, no, there was no one that would ever do that. And cause they would see their legacy and their, their life's work and whatever go away. And people hate that. People have problems with that, with normal succession, let alone, well, okay. Uh, but let alone like a succession where you're just giving everything you actually, have to somebody but, else. Okay. But there actually is. And I think this is also just, it's like halfway there, but still warped. So there is a movement of that. So if you look at the data on how many churches exist and how many people are leaving the ministry versus how many people are entering the ministry, <coughs> the thing you'll discover is there is, and again, I'm only speaking of the American church, an incredible shortage of pastors. 
There's not enough pastors to pass. There are more pastors bailing on the ministry than are entering the ministry to actually keep up with the number of churches that exist in America. Wow. There's not enough pastors to pastors to pastor the churches that exist. And, and, and again, that's within the context. And Justin, you brought this up a few weeks ago of just the idea that, that the, the like 80 to 90 percent of the churches are 250 people and less. Mm-hmm. which basically is, is enough people to support one, at the most two staff people. Um, we're not talking about major churches, big churches. We're talking about like the average church can only support one, maybe two people. And that's the, the vast majority. And there's not enough people for that. So one of the trends that you have seen um, is, um, for example, there was, there was a church on the north side of Winder, legacy church, old church, dying church, dwindling church they don't have a pastor so what did what did the group the, the last group of people that were there they went to the mega church and they said here we want to give you all of this we just would like to stay here can you make us a, a video campus they gave everything over they gave the building the property they gave it all over authority governance they just wanted to still be able to come to church can you just take it over and make it a video campus. The majority of video campuses in America, that's how it happens. Really? Yes. Yeah. Bob Coy in Calvary Fort Lauderdale and the early dealings, that's that's how the majority of their satellite campuses hmm. came to fruition. Stone Mountain had a satellite campus like that for a uh, little while. Well, kind not really, but kind but of similar, it, it was it was out well, East Paulding. So yeah. out there there was there was a, a a Calvary Chapel with a pastor. The pastor fell into sin and left and the the few elders that were there were like, "We have no idea what to do here. Can you guys help us?" Mm-hmm. And so we did. Um we helped them until one of the elders finally was raised up to become the pastor. Right. I remember that. that and that was sense. just that was a temporary thing one church helping another through a season. Um, but there are actual churches, again, the legacy idea of like, hey, we're dying. You guys are big. Here you go. To me, what I hate about it is it becomes a video campus. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you call them and say like, hey, do you have a group of people out here that would like the building and can you send a pastor? You know, um, somebody that can pastor the people. The whole video thing, that's another topic for another day. I don't know. I don't, again, I want to get to your topic. And, and if, if we transition right now, we have enough time. So I want to do that. You guys think about it. Think about it. I'm just throwing it out there. Something I've been thinking about. And, uh, and maybe we can carry on the conversation later. You guys chew on it. Come up with some more yeah, questions. Yeah, that's very interesting. We can, we can pick it up at a different time. So throw out your topic. We've got at least 25 minutes. We can do it. All right. Um, Not knowing so, what your topic is. But yeah, I know. I know. You just, you're very. Uh, it's my show, so I still do it. Yeah, yeah, he very said it wasn't going to be a rant. It wasn't um, a rant. That was, was not a rant. Okay. Okay. The camera's, on, the camera's on me now. It Stop was talking. not a rant, so, Nicholas. Uh, here's the, the topic for today. Because uh, in the last two... The other topic for today? The other topic for today. <laughs> uh, the week before last and this past week, we talked about trauma and um, finding good Bible teaching or how to study the Bible where there are two most recent episodes. Um, and in the first one, we talked about, you know, when you're dealing with trauma, one of the things is not be alone. If you don't know how not to, go find a good church, probably a small one, um, and plug in there because they won't let you be alone at some point. Like right. It's just okay. kind yeah. of how small churches yeah. work. Um, and then last week we talked about finding good Bible teachers, which is why we uh, 
launched a new podcast called Get Fed Today. It's on getfedtoday.com. I'm glad you know the website. Um, yes. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's a great podcast we just started. Um, so I Wait, want did to we continue. start it? Did Well, it whatever. Um, it's an anonymous <laughs> group of people. Yeah, an anonymous group I'm of people. I'm winking and I'm not even on the screen. That's because I'm talking. Oh, so I was anyway, playing to the camera. I wasn't even on. Again, so him. anyway, the question for today is I want to delve deeper into um, how to find a good pastor, how to find a good church, what are the hallmarks to look for, what are the things to avoid. Because we, we made the comment last time or during the trauma episode that, you know, if you're looking, go to a small church. Um, big churches are great for some things, but if you really want to plug in, you should go to a small church. Can we dig down more into that for people who maybe grew up in a mega church and don't know what they're missing with a small church or people who are unchurched? Like, what does it mean to find a good church? What should I be looking for? Um, so are you talking more about the characteristics of the church itself or the leader of the church? Um. I want to dig deep on the characteristics of the actual church, but I would assume that that would have something to do with the leader. Well, because I mean, a good a good leader will hopefully have a good church, and a good church will probably have a good. That, leader. And that's that's true. That's true. So, let's start with the leader. Don't let me go too long, so we can talk about the church. Okay. Um, I love the way that you framed the question, and I don't even know if you, if you realize that you framed it in the way that you did, um, or you even intended to frame it that way. Uh, but there was there was a subtlety in the way that you framed it that I thought um, was profound, and that's this: uh, How do I find a good pastor? You didn't say how do I find a good preacher, and I think that that right there is the first distinction I'd like to make. Um, what what you need more than anything else regarding a church. <clears throat> is you need a good pastor. Now, it's nice when that pastor is also a good preacher. Can you define those two terms? Okay. <clears throat> so the word, so, so what we have within the scriptures is, is the idea of a shepherd. It's the same idea, same word as, as pastor. Pastoral. So the leader of the church is the pastor of the church. And there and there's not that's not relegated to just like one guy. The overseers, the elders are the pastors of the church. Um, they they're pastoral, they're overseers. Um, in the same way that that we would think of a shepherd being over a flock of sheep, same kind of idea of of a pastor being over the the congregation. A caretaker. A caretaker. Um and, and a caretaker has has many responsibilities. Um, a caretaker um, has to be able to to effectively feed the sheep, to provide for for physical health. Um, that's an important idea. Like if you have a shepherd that doesn't feed the sheep, the, fe the sheep die pretty quick. But a shepherd also needs to protect, and organize, and safeguard, and direct, and lead, and guide. Again, a great image uh, for an effective pastor is the idea of a shepherd. Um, you know, if, if, if a shepherd is, is, if a shepherd only cares about himself and not the people, uh, the sheep are not going to live very long. And he won't be a shepherd for much longer. <laughs> he's not going to be a shepherd. He's not going to have any sheep. And the sheep he has aren't going to be very healthy. Um, you know, if, you know, so again, I think that's a great mental picture of the Bible. That, that is a very consistent theme. And that imagery of the pastor and the shepherd um, is consistent. Um, it's, it's actually one of the reasons why, interestingly enough, 
a lot of the patriarchs. So shepherds, culturally speaking, were were looked down upon as being kind of renegades, outcasts. Um, they were outside of society by just the way that they operated. But you go back through Scripture, um, Abel was a shepherd. Um, Abraham was a shepherd. Uh, Jacob, I, you know, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, the Jews were shepherds. Even when they went to Egypt, they were um, they were placed in Gothen because they were shepherds, and the Egyptians hated shepherds. Um, they were the shepherds. King David was a shepherd. Um, you just run down the list. The first people included in the story of Jesus' birth were shepherds abiding in the field. The idea of a shepherd. It's a consistent theme, lots of precedent, imagery, typology, etc. <clears throat> the distinction, though, <coughs> not every pastor, uh, let me even say it this way, not every good pastor is a good speaker. Um, that doesn't mean that they're a bad pastor. I think you can absolutely be a really good pastor and not be a very good speaker. Um, on the flip side to it, there are a lot of really good speakers that are not good pastors at all. Um, in fact, um, you really can't make an equivalent connection between the ability to speak and the ability to pastor. I think one of the problems we have within uh, modern Christian society, modern church culture, is that we place too much of an emphasis on a person's ability to be charismatic and speak as opposed to their ability to pastor. I think we've gotten into a lot of problems and there have been just this epidemic of, of pastoral failure because we have gravitated, in a, as far as the church community goes, to really charismatic, uh, polished speakers who were terrible pastors because they didn't fit the qualification. Um, again, if you're looking for a church, a healthy church, um, I would really encourage you to find a good pastor knowing that he might not necessarily be a good speaker, but that's not the prerequisite to being a good pastor. So that, that, that'd be my first broad, and I, I think you'd get, you'd, you'll save yourself, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble if you evaluate the pastor, not on necessarily his ability uh, to be an effective speaker. Now, does he need to be an adequate speaker? Okay, sure. You know. An accurate teacher. An accurate teacher. It, it's more of like, what is he speaking about versus how well is he doing it? Mm -hmm. If he's opening God's word and he's spending time in God's word and you can tell he's working hard and he's doing his best and he's prepared and thought out, okay, he might be dry and he might be boring, but you're still getting the necessities. Again, if you're evaluating a pastor, his ability, like what he does behind a pulpit is important, but is that the most important? Um, I would say no. And, and let me give you, let me give you a proof text. <clears throat> now there's a couple different passages in the New Testament that lay out the qualifications for the overseer, the elder, the pastor. <clears throat> a great place to start is 1 Timothy. And that, for the sake of time, will be the only place we'll look. But Paul, writing to Timothy as a mentor to a young pastor, pastoring a church, and likely Timothy is in Ephesus at the time. Uh, Paul says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of bishop, he desires a good work. Which means that it's okay to desire to be this. Again, there's a calling, but there's, it's okay to desire it. Paul says a bishop, and this is the same word for pastor, it's overseer, elder, 
A bishop must be blameless, so without blame, which means he has to have character. He has to be above reproach. He has to have integrity. He has to be blameless. Now, that doesn't mean he's sinless. (laughs) Again, if we're looking for a sinless pastor, look no further than Jesus, but no one else qualifies. Um, So, again, the man's going to have faults, but is he blameless? You know, is he above reproach? The husband of one wife. Now, does that mean that if you're divorced, you're disqualified? I I don't think so. Um, Because if you're divorced, you remarry, you're still the husband of one wife. You're not the husband of two wives. Now, why were you divorced? That plays into it. If you get to go back to Matthew 19, the qualifications for divorce and what's you know adequate and accepted. What if you're unmarried? Um, that that we can get into that. Um, again, it doesn't say the husband of no wife. It just says the husband of one wife. Gotcha. Not two wives. And again, I think within context, uh, historically speaking, um, I think that this is more the exclusion of polygamy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was customary to have multiple wives. Um, this is to be the husband of one wife. Um, temperate. Temperate. What, a, what an interesting word. Um, controlled, self-controlled, temperate. Uh, he's not angry. Um, he's reserved. Um, he's slow to speak, slow to wrath. That doesn't mean that he's neutered. Or somehow, like, you know, we get the idea of meekness as being weakness. Jesus is, I think, a great example of temperance. But Jesus knew when to be angry. But he was under control, temperate, sober-minded. That doesn't mean that he's sober, (laughs) but he is sober-minded. Of good behavior. Hospitable. Able to teach. So he has to be able to communicate, to articulate the truths of God. Able to teach. That doesn't mean able to like be a great communicator, but he has to be able to teach, to be able to take an idea and communicate it, not given to wine. So not, not wedded to the table of wine. He's not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for money. He's gentle, not quarrelsome, not looking for, to pick fights, trying to be a peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not covetousness, not covetous. One who rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. So he's not, he's not arrogant. He's not egotistical. He's humble. You know, he, he, he doesn't find himself popping up on, on pastors with sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always, I've always thought the easiest way to tell when an older pastor is about to experience a terrible fall and is, is when he's no longer dressing age appropriate. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm telling you, like you, you look around, you see like a 50-year-old guy start wearing skinny jeans and deep Vs and start getting tats and wearing Converse. That dude's or about to have an affair. Those just bedazzled. Saying, it's about to happen. <laughs> what does it say about pastors t-shirts? that wear, uh, that wear like Mr. Rogers <laughs> those are those are uh, his wife's clothes. The, uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for the joke, and Justin dropped it. Hey, trust a pastor that's that's rocking confident a cardigan. enough would, to rock a I cardigan. Would, I would trust Mr. Rogers any day of the week. Do you know Mr. Rogers was a sniper in the Marines? That's yep. a false thing. Is that actually false? It's false. But he was uh, an ordained minister. 
I did know that too. Yeah. But he wasn't a sniper in the Marines. No. Did is it is it true that he had arm sleeve tats? No. Or is that also a misconception? Also true. false. Oh man, you're Have you killing not me. Seen here. the documentary on no, I no. Okay, actually. okay. Continuing. <laughs> No, I need to. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Now you, you now you look through that. So so okay, I'm looking for a church. I'm trying to evaluate the church based upon who they have as their pastor, knowing, as you rightly said, Creighton, that there is kind of a connection between the two. <clears throat> it is very true the congregation really does reflect their pastor. And their pastor, as a result, reflects their congregation. <laughs> for better or for worse, you get to know a lot about Calvary 316 when you get to know me. And if you hang out with the Calvary 316 people, you get to know me as well. Like That, that really does, that's a truth. There's Especially a, there, in the smaller churches where we're basically a family. <laughs> and, and this is just a different culture. But, but going back to it, when you look at the qualifications of the pastor... Um, is is coolness a prerequisite? Is style a prerequisite? Is is his charisma a prere- prere- prerequisite? Yes, the ability to teach, 100%. But these qualifications center on an evaluation being mainly what? His character. Like who he is as a man. Being as a husband, as a father the way he interacts with others, the way he interacts with people outside of the church, um, the way he deals with coral, coral you know, with problems, with conflict resolution. Um, that is what you should look at. Now, now, that does present a problem in a bigger church. Now, if you go to a smaller church, it's, it's easier to get to know the pastor enough to make an evaluation. Like, is this a guy I'm going to want to pastor me and my family? And therefore, is this the church I want to plug into? I want to judge this guy on the qualifications the Bible gives me. The only way I can really know if this guy fits these qualifications is within the smaller environment where the pastor is accessible to that. Again, when you get into the bigger church, it's harder just by necessity, by a practicality, to, to, to have enough access to the pastor to, to evaluate him. Which ends up being, I think, probably sometimes a problem within a larger church is because that guy ends up becoming separated from that basic accountability of his integrity. Um, So again, the smaller church, you can evaluate that. Um, Not always, but you should look to that. The point is, is I think you should change the way. You know, if you find a church, the guy teaches the Bible, (laughs) but he's in his 60s. And, and he's kind of grandpa. He's not relatable. You're not going to go have a beer with him. You're not going to go over and watch a ball game. But you know he's the kind of guy that, that like, you get into a fight with your wife and your, your, your world kind of spirals and you're like, my drinking buddy's going to be no good to me. But that guy who's been faithful for 40 years to his wife and has raised three good kids, you know, he's not the coolest guy. And he wears dockers and loafers and, and like, I might not have anything related to him, but you know what? That's the guy that will tell me the truth. That's who you're looking for. You know, that's what you want. Um, now, if you can find a younger guy that, that, you know, again, you know, not, not trying to be exclusive again, qualification here is not age. Is there an age qualification in this at all? 
Not at all. But but the emphasis is is if you, again your question is evaluating character integrity. Um, first and foremost, because again that will carry over to the life of the church. You know, if the pastor if the pastor cuts a lot of corners morally, he often will be permissible for his elders to cut those same corners morally, and those the rest of the elders will be permissible for the other people. And like it'll be a, a carnal church only exists in the presence of a carnal pastor. Mm. So if you look around the church, it's like these people are out of control, and this place is is whoa. Well, that's probably a good reflection of the pastor. It tells you a lot you need to know. Now, if it's a grace place where people are like, man, I, I ain't perfect, but man, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Like, that's also probably a good reflection. Now, I've talked too much. You guys have all at some point evaluated a church. Now, this is a dangerous thing because you come to my church, <laughs> our church. But I mean, for you guys, you know, I mean, Nick, you were coming out of the world. Derek, you were coming out of a crazy situation. Justin, you were... Well, like early on, you're archaeology, and then you're coming back from China and whatnot. But like in Creighton, you like you've been with me for a long time, but you made a decision, like, hey, I'm gonna kind of hitch my wagon to that guy. How have with the last five? We can go ten minutes. You guys talk about like what you've looked for and how that's carried over to the church, and um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Derek, let's start with you. Well, I came because my family was going at first, but at the same time, like <laughs> I was still. I mean, the way to find a good church. You first, would, that would not have mattered to you at all. Yeah. Well, getting, no, it really wouldn't have. It's being rooted in the word first. Like, I knew, okay, if there was any heresy red flags, I'd be like, you, I'm out. But they're listening to you and what you're saying, what you're preaching on, and how you're preaching on. Is it actually from the word? Does this, is it like, does the Bible match up with exactly what he's saying and right. where it's coming from? And again, how do you live your life? The people that were at the church, how are they living? Like, how do they seem to operate? And it, like you said, it wasn't just all over the place. So that is how I would go about it. Looking at analyzing everything, looking at everything, seeing how people are doing, learning the people as much as you can. But then that's just kind of how I viewed it. Yeah. What about you, Nick? So when I came, I, um, I came because, um, fallen hard times and had a bunch of friends I was hanging out with and they were going to your church and they were like, Hey, come to church with us. Creighton was one of them. Hello. And so mine, my experience was like finding a good church because this is probably the only church I've ever, you know, seeked out and found and loved is that I dove in with other believers and they, it wasn't about you at all at first. Yeah, no. I mean, it wasn't about even the teaching. I don't even think I was paying attention when I was first coming. I cared about how the others around me were acting, you know, to see if it was really affecting their life or, you know, if they were true believers and stuff. Let me frame it this way. Let me ask you a question. So, and I, and I I don't mean to lead, but but I'll probably lead a little here. Um, So what's interesting is, so you, you had a group of friends, you you know, you were connected with some and then kind of walked away from it. Other points and you were in and out of a group. Yeah. And your life hit a, hit a, hit a rocky patch. You started hanging out with these people again. Mm-hmm. And so it's like those people are going to this church and these people have, have welcomed you back in. They're loving on you. They care. They care about you. They're not perfect people. Uh, they're, they're again, I know the group, they're a group of <laughs> misfits, but like, was there a part of it where you're like, you know, if these, I don't know if I need church or not, 
But like if this group of people like a church and are accepted at a church and are connecting to this church and that's having it like if they can come, then man, you know what? I I, I should check that out. Like that was your initial That was pretty much my initial thing. I mean I like you said, I hung out with the group and Kyle's was one of them. Like he was my best friend in high school. So like I grew up with him a little bit and same as Neil. I've known Neil for <coughs> 25 years. So at the point that I've known them, it's like, well, if they're going here and I see a change in them, I know, I know I like them. I know they're like, it's like, then I need to check this out. I need to keep going. And then after that, it manifested into actually wanting to get in a relationship with God. And that's when, focusing on you and your teachings like Derek was saying fact checking and then like just fact checking it about how I believe it or my convictions and stuff and then a turning point a turning point was when you got the courage I remember this where again you had been there whatnot but you were like hey would you like to get together for with you yeah yeah it was, and it was like hey let's meet at Waffle House because that's yeah. where I do all my ministry <laughs> Uh, outside of the churches at Waffle Yeah, House. it was a it was a big turning point in me because especially with what you said to me is I mean because a lot of growing up I mean I I put a lot of stuff before church and a lot of stuff before God and every time they fell and you know were never good they always fell down they never lasted I don't know the word for it they were. There are idols that I put in place yeah. that crumbled and failed me. That's a good word for it, yeah. Yeah, and they failed me pretty much is the word I was <laughs> looking for. And then you basically was like, this is why. You're putting idols above something else that shouldn't be there. Try this. Yeah. You know? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. It resonated. It hit and, you. Yeah, and started studying his word. And but there was, that, there was that connecting point. You know, I, again, and I think that this is getting back to the question, um, how do you evaluate a church? Like you move into a community, how do I evaluate the church? And this is dangerous. This is this is again. You could take you could take this too far, but I think one of the things to, to Nick's point is that um, when you're when you're asking coworkers what church you go to, or you're talking to people, you know the other kids on the, the other parents on your kids' ball team. When when you're like making connections, you're talking to people, you're getting to know other people, and they're like, oh yeah, I go to this church, and someone's like, I go to that church. Uh, but you're constantly running into someone that goes to, let's say, Church A. And you're observing that everyone that's going to Church A um, has like an inch deep Christianity. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, you're looking at their life and you're like, man, um, you're kind of a train wreck. Like you're the most superficial, empty person I've ever met. And you're finding like that repeated over and over and over again, like that same characteristic at everybody that goes to a church. Can you reach an, a, a, an appropriate conclusion that maybe there's something happening at that church that yields and fosters and promotes such a life? Again, I, you can go too far, but I'd say yes. I think it's okay to look at the people that go someplace to reach some conclusions about what's happening there. Um, I think for Nick, Nick was looking around at his friends and he's like, man, you guys are, y'all are misfits, but man, God's doing something in your life. And if you would, if you could be accepted... I can be accepted. Something's real. I think that's cool. Justin, what, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I think the main thing is how are you going to know if there's 
false teaching or the qualification for a pastor if you're not in the word yourself. Oh, that, absolutely. I, Amen to that. that. That's the, the main thing. I mean, I've traveled all over the world, been to multiple different culture, like cultures, and I always try and seek out the churches there. And that's the deciding factor of a healthy church is the word of God. If the word of God's not being preached or taught, then the church will ultimately fail. And, and it's fail. And, and, and here's the thing that I would add to that. And it's failure might not be, um, might not manifest in the way that you would think. There are a lot of very quote, let me phrase it this way. There's a lot of very large churches that are actually failures. And you look at the lives of the people and you're like, okay, you, you have a lot of people coming, but look at the lives of the people that are coming. Like that's not success. Like you have failed them. You know what I mean? And it's like, you have to change again. And, and this is, I think also ties in with what you're asking is like, don't always judge a church by how many people go judge a church by the quality of people that are going. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. by, by, and the only way you can do it is get is go get to know it, get to know some people, um, find find a way to to connect to be involved. Um, so, Craig, that was your it was your question, man. We were able to I think to tackle it. Yeah, I thought that was great. With the um, time that we had, as we were talking about it, I remembered something that you said during the trauma episode uh, that we had once again two weeks ago, where you said you know find a small church, they will talk to you, and if they don't. Find a different church. Right. Which you said kind of offhandedly and mostly as a joke, but I think it's also a good, like when you're trying to figure out what it looks like to be for a healthy church is people that are hang around at the end of church, people who are talking. If everyone gets up and leaves, that seems weird to me. And especially if you are new and nobody speaks to you. Yeah. What do you think about like, do you agree? Okay. So um, again, this of? is, this is, I, I agree. Cause I said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But again, and this is where I would just try to qualify taking what is true too far becomes false. Right. Um, a, a church is not, it's not the job of the church to, to give you friends. Right. And that's where I think you can take it too far. Oh, well, I go to this church and nobody's talked to me. They're not friendly. And it's like, yeah, because you're a weirdo that comes, sits in the back, and doesn't talk to anybody. Right. You can't use and that like argument. You leave, right, when church is yeah, you, you jet, like, you've made no, like. I see what you're saying. You can't make that argument or expect anything to happen if you show up as worship is starting and leave right at the end of service. Like, you can't it's, be mad it's or it's like ama- that. I've never met a friendly person that didn't end up with friends. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. On the flip side to it, I know a lot of unfriendly people that have no friends. And they're like, it's everyone else's fault. And it's like, no, you're a, you're a weirdo that is, uh, that is just very obnoxious and very difficult to be around. And no one wants to be your friend. So don't blame everybody else that no one wants to be your friend when you're not a friendly chap. Like, don't blame other people. Like, look in the mirror first. No one talked to me. Did you talk to anybody? You know, it's very awkward to try to go up and talk to someone. It's very awkward to go up and try to talk to someone who is not talking to anyone else. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know that person? I mean, I, mean, I mean, we've all seen that person, right? Where it's like... Your boy's been that person. Right. 
What, what I sent you? I sent you a. Uh, I saw a tweet about introverted and extroverted people. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what, what was? I thought it was great. Oh, it said something to the effect of um, introverts don't actually make friends. They just get adopted by an extrovert exactly. and their group of friends, <laughs> exactly. which is exactly how I've made all of my friends. So, yeah, so my point, true. my point is that, okay, let's phrase it this way. If you go to a church and you're doing everything you can to be friendly and to put yourself out there and, um, and no one's reciprocating that, um, get out. Yeah, may, maybe maybe that's maybe that maybe that's a problem, but again, I wouldn't give you a pass unless you could look me in the eye and say you had literally exhausted um, every bit of your energy and effort. Um, the other way to—I'll tell you. Here's another thing: the other way to make a bunch of friends at church is bring your friends to church with you. Yeah, that would also work. Mm. You know, because like. You know, as and I'll, I'll speak to this as, as a pastor of a small church, um, what ends up happening is people come and they expect that, that, that I'm going to be their best friend, that Jessica and I are going to be their best friends. And the problem is, is that like, I already have best friends. In fact, I already have like a group of friends. Like I, I've kind of, you know, sociologists say that you can like you can basically maintain 12 meaningful relationships beyond that. You don't, you can't, you just, you can't, you, there's not enough time. And with kids, you know, my life is crazy and busy. Um, it's hard enough for me to, to, to invest and maintain the people I really love. Like it's, you know, I, I've got my own like physical family and then I've got like you guys, like, you know, people I've been with for years that are dear near and dear. Nick and I, through the pandemic, we spent like every Friday night together. And like, it's, it's, it's hard for us to do that now. And it, it bums me out. Like we have to, I have to like, if I have a free night, it's like, I need to hang out with Nick and Carrie because they're, or, or Derek and Kelly, because I only have so many opportunities. So if someone comes to church and it's like, oh, the pastor and his wife, uh, you know, are not always like we're not text BFFs, <laughs> and it's like I'm sorry, man. Like I can't be your friend. I can be your pastor. Yeah. I can be friendly to you. I can't be your best friend. Now that doesn't mean you don't need best friends. But but like, I can't do that. And that and that does become a challenge. I mean, we've had people. We've had people leave the church because, you know, I, I went I went and had, listen, I've never turned anybody down that ever wanted to go have dinner. That, I've never done that. Now, it might take me a few weeks to work out a night, but there, I've never had somebody that reached out. We had we had a couple just recently. Like, hey, we really want to get out and, and have dinner. And I was like, let's do it. That's great. Um, how often can I do that moving forward? I only have so many free nights. Like, and that kind of get like, I, there's a priority. Um, I had a great time with them. But can I do that all the time? Can I do that enough that it fills that social role that they're looking for? Probably, Probably not. not. Um, I think that's unfair to hold the pastor to that standard. That's that's it's insane. But that's why we have so many people at the church who are so find somebody interesting else. And and that's nice. why I think it's important. Like find somebody else, meet some friends, go and you know here's here's the big thing: invite somebody to lunch. Invite somebody yes. to lunch with you after church. 
And if they're like, hey, um, you know, actually, there's a group of us going to lunch. You want to join us? Great. More the merrier. And if they can't, give them twice and ask somebody else. Again, own it. Own it. Put the onus on you. Because, again, and it comes back to, like, what are you really looking for? So if you go to a church, you're like, man, I really feel like I'm being fed. This is the right vibe, the right community. I feel the spirit here. This is where I want to be. I'm having a hard time connecting with some people. But, man, I'm being fed. I'm being filled. My kids are are being taken care of. I'm not developing all the friendships that I want. Well, why don't you take the the other friends that that you party with on the weekend, bring them to church with you, and now you've got a crew. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got a bunch of friends at church. Yeah, they were the friends you brought. (laughs) Works. And that's kind of what Kyle did with you and Neil, Nick. Kind of. Absolutely. You know, I mean, everybody... I mean, to a point, Derek. Derek yeah. quickly became part of a friend group. Oh, yeah. Or you just force your way in. Yeah. Like Justin. <laughs> like Justin, Justin. Yeah. listen, Spice Daddy is one of the most socially awkward people I've ever met in my life. Oh, I'm very introverted. Very. I, you don't I, say. I, I hate. I don't, I don't mean it as an insult, but no. it was like Justin would stand around, like wouldn't say anything, and it's like, dang it. Who's going to invite him? Someone has to invite him. And it's like, hey, man, what are you doing? It was. Uh, not I'm not like doing that. anything. We all like Justin. Yeah, hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over to the pool after church. You want to hang out? Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and Justin would float in the pool by himself for like the first week. You know that we did this. He still does. I still he do. still does. Because I love <laughs> floating. Yeah. You, you are good at floating. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's why he has rafts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all make right. it look easy though. Yeah. yeah. Touche. Well, listen, we're we're, we're about way out. over. We're way out out of time. Any any comments on on the interwebs? Uh, not recently. Let me let me let me close by saying this. Um, and I think this is. Oh, I was wrong. Cool. Your brother is talking to us. Oh, my brother. Which one? Nick. <clears throat> Nick live streams Mac podcasts. Yes. Uh, Nick said that it's good to see you talking because uh, this day last year you're almost dead. That is very true. You know, it is a rainy, dreary, overcast, <laughs> cold, terrible day. He followed that up by saying, hot take. Some folks might be relieved to hear that you can't be their best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Burn, baby, burn. Spoken like a little brother. Yep. (laughs) Spoken like a little brother. Fantastic. For sure. The, um, yeah, no, I, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you, it's, um, um, any day outside of the hospital is a good day. I don't care what happens. Hmm. And it is, it, it is a perspective that I, I never thought I'd really fully like understand within that context, but um, there's not a day that goes by, especially right now. You know, I, I spoke a couple weeks ago about trauma and about some of the PTSD, some of the things I'm going through. I actually think I, I'm kind of beyond that, just to give a quick update on it. Um, I'm just, I've got a zest for life. I'm very happy. Um, I'm very, like, again, I was at Quincy's basketball game. His, his basketball team, Quincy's playing awesome. His basketball team stinks. <laughs> I mean, they 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 are they are yeah. they are terrible. Quincy's playing great, but he's like playing one on five. It's rough. Yeah. And uh, and I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm vocal. Like my mom sat down and said, "Are you going to behave tonight, or do I need to go sit somewhere else?" And it's like, what? Of course I'm not going to behave. <laughs> right. Um, of course you should. Of sit Of course else. you should sit somewhere else. But um. But you know, I got I got to a point where I got up, and I, I stood down on the sideline, and it was like I just smiled and I laughed and I cheered my son on. It's like, man, I was again. I missed the second half of his basketball season last year. I, I wasn't there, and, and and I'm able to watch it, and like 
And I don't care. Like, I, I just, I really do. I, I'm coming into a, a, a place in the midst of all of this where I'm just really thankful to be alive, excited to be alive. And just, I'm not, I'm not in the, that trauma phase of the, I mean, I'm not dealing with the depression of it and things go in seasons and waves, but like, I'm just real, um, I'm real pumped up to go to bed with my wife and not, not be laying in a hospital bed. So <clears throat> let me close with, with this. Um, and again, I don't want to just name drop, but I'm going to bring it up. <clears throat> so, um, I was able to have lunch uh, David Guzik was in town for a, a, an event. He was speaking at a conference and uh, was able to arrange it where I could go and, and grab a steak with him and just hang out. And uh, last time David saw me was in was in April uh, when he came and filled in at Calvary 316. And uh, so so we were uh, so he he hadn't seen me since, um, and I, I look much different today. And so we were grabbing lunch and um, and he he goes he goes hey so I just want to ask you about get fed today. Um, I said, how do you know about Get Fed Today? He goes, well, I was listening to Outlaw Radio last week. And, uh, and he goes, first, I got to say, I was super flattered <laughs> that you guys <laughs> had such nice things to say about Enduring Word. And, uh, I, man, it was like a, a, an Enduring Word promo about studying the Bible. I was, I was just I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, well, it was, it was, it was honest and genuine. Didn't even know you were listening. And uh, I thought it was cool. David David Guzik listens. I doubt Very he listens cool. every David? week. It was probably like, oh shoot, I'm gonna have lunch with Zach. I should probably check in on what he's doing. Uh, so he probably hadn't listened all year except for that episode. Um, but I, I talked. He, he thought he goes. I, I I heard the spiel about Get Fed today, and I went and checked it out. And uh, he goes, "Who all do you have on it?" And I was like, "Well, I have you on it." Um, and uh, which I was a little nervous about because our, our whole approach is not asking for permission um you know it's it's free so we're just stealing it and passing or it are out. we we're not stealing it we're downloading no, 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 no. it for are, free we, what do you mean we we're anonymous just, we're just anonymous. somebody <laughs> is single somebody. benefactor somebody. Some, single a, benefactor. A, a single benefactor <laughs> <laughs> and uh but he, he he said he has two thoughts first i think it's great i think that that's a smart strategy i have no problem with you using my stuff i don't think anyone would and if they do you just take it off that's fine it's their loss Second, he was like, I can't believe nobody's thought of this. He goes, I think the idea is great. I can't believe nobody's thought to do this. And uh, so I'm trying to get him to give us, to give Get Fed Today a plug, um, you know, which would, <laughs> which, would be, which would be nice. Let's go. Hey, check out this random podcast I stumbled across on the internet. Um, so anyway. Yes, great idea. I thought I thought it was cool that, um, that David, you know, from time to time tunes in and, and listens. So. Well, with all that being said, guys, thanks for being with me tonight. Great, great topic. It, it actually all that the, everything kind of seamlessly tied together tonight. That was that was a lot of fun. So, with all that being said, you guys got anything? We good? Sir, we're good. All right, good week. Let me take us out. So, thank you so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. If you're watching, check out the podcast. It'll be released somewhere within the next 24, 48 hours. Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, what's great about the podcast? You can listen to the audio. But it's very easy to share it. A lot of people don't have time to watch a video, but they have time to listen to podcasts. Podcasts are very popular and huge, uh, easy to listen to when you're driving around or you're working out or not. So uh, check out the podcast if you're watching. If you're listening to the podcast, <clears throat> you can join us Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Uh, we live stream what you're listening to. And so I encourage you to check that out. Again, shameless plug, uh, get fed today. On Monday, uh, five new Bible studies are released from different Bible teachers across America. Good Bible teachers 
guys that we were describing tonight, men of character, integrity, but are also good Bible teachers, good speakers. And so it enables you to get fed today, Monday through Friday, to work your way through the Bible, uh, to study God's Word. So check it out, getfedtoday.com is the website. Quick links to Apple, Google, Spotify. With all that being said, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And uh, I hope you join me this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show.